one right now. It's 106 on this Monday. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Brother's Disposal. Come on, brother. Call Brother Roland today. Now offering weekly trash collection services for your business. Call for an estimate, 401-688-0517. Those purple dumpsters of Brother's Disposal. Or maybe you're doing some spring cleaning. Look for them on Facebook. They have the Laker colors, the purple and yellow, because they have purple dumpsters, Brother's Disposal, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. If you're doing some spring cleaning, maybe you want to clean out your garage or basement attic, unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. Folks, the first witness is up. I think this is interesting that they're calling it. Now, people initially were calling it the George Floyd murder trial because they're saying he was murdered. But then the black community objects to the fact that we're calling it that. So I'm noticing the national media is now calling it the Derek Chauvin trial. So the first witness is on the stand. And I want to dip into this a little bit. She is, in fact, the Minneapolis 911 dispatcher. She's testifying right now in that Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin. Let's just listen a little bit on this. And then, uh, folks, remember, you can always listen at the website, which is petro.com. Let me hear a little bit of this. With what you knew to be 38th in Chicago? Yes. And so did you also, when you uh, observed that, see some police officers? Yes. And can you just describe when you first looked up there in general, kind of what you saw? When I first, I just saw the squad car. I didn't see the police officers. And did you watch this video feed for a period of time? I went in and out of the camera and, and being able to pay attention to it. I did not watch the whole video. Or as it was happening, I did not watch the whole time. And why not? I still had calls to take care of and, and things to give out to the police officers. So we've marked uh, a copy of that video. Did you have a chance to view that before coming into court today? Yes. And you understand that we cropped it in the sense of on one side of the video, there's a huge sign that kind of obscures that whole area. But the rest of the video does it fairly and accurately depict what you were able to see. Correct. Um, and uh, so, Your Honor, we would offer what's been marked as Exhibit 11. All right, folks, and again, um, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. So there's some stop and start with this. But earlier, the testimony started, folks. It's obviously going to be a um, very, very intense trial. It is It is underway, and they once again played... The, uh, you know, the famous video. I want to play. This was the opening argument from the special prosecutor that they have. How he addressed the jury. The honor of wearing this badge. It's a small badge. that carries with it a large responsibility and a large accountability for the public. What does it stand for? It represents the very motto of the Minneapolis Police Department. To protect with courage, to serve with compassion, but it also represents the essence of the Minneapolis Police Department approach to the use of force against its citizens. 
when appropriate. The sanctity, the sanctity of life and the protection of the public shall be the cornerstones of the Minneapolis Police Department's use of force. Compassion, sanctity of life, cornerstones, and that little badge is worn right over the officer's heart. But you're also going to learn that the officers take an oath when they become police officers. They take an oath that I will enforce the law courteously and appropriately, and as you will learn, as applies to this case, never employing unnecessary force or violence. And not only that, I recognize the badge of my office as a symbol of public faith, and I accept it as a public trust to be held so long as I am true to the ethics of police service. Symbol of public faith, ethics to police service, sanctity of life, all of this matters tremendously to this case because you will learn that on May 25th of 2020, Mr. Derek Chauvin betrayed this badge when he used excessive and unreasonable force upon the body Mr. George Floyd. All right, so folks, that's how it started off. Let me go back to, this is the live trial. This is the first witness from the Derek Chauvin trial in the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. So she's the police dispatcher on the stand. She was the 911 dispatcher. Where right now they are. So she saw when the car pulled up outside from when officers went for the report that someone had paid with a counterfeit bill at Cup Foods. They're showing some video. Prosecution exhibit. Laying out their case against Minneapolis police officer Derek Shorten. Pinning his knee. The footage that they're showing is in front of the cup food. I think that's going to be the car where then he's down. And this seems to be a direct angle right at where then he's going to be lying down uh, outside the car. I think that is the angle that they're talking about. So they're establishing when they first 
arrive at the scene and she can see exactly and it seems like she must have seen the whole thing kind of unfurl so this video right now let me just um check it and again folks good afternoon it's a uh, very very explosive So that's on the side, the side of the car. The timestamp on the top for the record reflects about 8, 17, and 10 seconds. So you can see them outside trying to get them in. And that's the uh, car is facing on the, uh, in front of the store. And then they are trying to get him into the passenger side. The door that would be behind the driver. Now the officers have opened a rear passenger door. Do you remember seeing this part of the video? Yes. I remember seeing the squad move. And what do you mean by move? So like now you can see the squad is moving back and forth. It's not like being driven, but moving back and forth. Right. And for the record now, the timestamp at the top is 8.17.50, approximately. And folks, right now, they're opening... And I know I wasn't able to watch all of this. The other so door. At some point here, you had to turn away and do your job. Yeah. And do you remember what... Uh, the, what's the next thing you remember seeing? The next... I remember looking up as they had moved from the back of the squad to the ground. Right. And so when you see that, let me know and we'll just make a reference to it at that time. So right now they're showing exactly the car. When they moved to the ground, I just know that when I looked up, right. we were no longer in the back seat. Okay, Shaw then. With the black glove. And they're showing the video. This is the 911 dispatcher testifying in the Chauvin trial. And you can see they're running this video where there's two officers now trying to get him. He's in the car. He's in the car. And now there's three on one side, no, two on one side, two on the other. So they're having problems with him. And now, now there's the four officers. There's that Asian officer. And now they seem to be wrestling with him in the back. Where they had him in the car, they should have taken off. And now they're showing, there's two on one side. So there's one on one side, three on the other. Now they're wrestling with him. And he's still in the car. Now he seems to be, now that all four of them are on one side, it seems to be a struggle. And his legs are out of the car. And some people are watching from the store. Now there's a man in the street watching behind them. Again, this is the 9-11 dispatcher testifying in the Derek Chauvin trial murder of George Floyd. 
And right now they're showing the video. It's from across the street. I have not seen this angle before. And she had access to this camera. And now they're on the opposite side. And you can see three officers. And there's a man standing in the street watching. And now they This is when I started watching again. Telling them. Okay, so now he's out of the car. So now there's the four of them. He's out of the car and Chauvin just put his knee on his neck. Oh. Do you recall uh, how long you were able to watch uh, around the time? No, honestly, I was in and out of looking at the cameras and then going back to my now, right now to make sure I wasn't missing anything. One man uh, watching. remarks, getting out calls. And, and then would go back to the screen again. They have him on the ground outside the car with the four police officers. After seeing this, at some point, then did you look back to the screen? To back to working? No, back to this video of the Yes, I was in and out of looking at this screen and then my my work. And at some point, then, did you go back to this how did it appear at that time when you went back to it? It had not changed. And what do you mean by that? They, they were still on the ground. The whole situation was still in the scene. Had there been other changes to the scene? Were there other people? In the I didn't pay attention to the surroundings of what was going on. I just know that they hadn't moved. All right. And, but at some point, did you see other like citizens in the video? There, I cannot remember seeing them. I just remember looking up and seeing that the situation hadn't changed. Do you recall approximately how long that was? No. It was long enough. It was it was long enough that I could look back multiple times. And so when you did look back, still on the ground, like depicted here essentially. Correct. And um, what did you think about this when you looked back and saw that it hadn't changed? I first asked if the screens had frozen. Why did you ask that? Because it hadn't changed. Okay. And did you find that it had frozen? No. Well, I was know? told that it was not frozen. Did you see the screen change yourself? Yes, I saw the person moving. So what did you start thinking at that point? Something might be wrong. Why? Um, we don't get these videos often, or, you know, video at all, unless it's looking at the bridge or just looking at people walking. We very rarely get incidents where police are actively on a scene. Uh, and they had changed. They had come from the back of the squad to the ground, and my instincts were telling me that something's wrong. Something is not right. I don't know what, but something wasn't right. In what ways was that, were you thinking that something was not right? It was an extended period of time. Again, I can't tell you the exact amount of time. Uh, and they hadn't told me if they needed any more resources. It's a, it's a multitude of different things that ran through my brain. But I became concerned that something might be wrong. Wrong with, with what? What are you thinking? It was a gut instinct of... 
in the incident, something's not going right, whether it be they needed more assistance or if there were, there just something was right. I don't know how to explain it. It was a gut instinct to tell me that now we can be concerned. And what did you decide to do? I took that instinct and I called the sergeant. And do you recall who the sergeant was that you talked to? It was Sergeant Pluger. And um, why did you call a sergeant? The sergeant is the police officer's supervisor. Uh, you're not, uh, I mean, it's a police officer. No. You haven't gone through like the use of force training. No. But in your experience, you felt something was wrong here that a sergeant needed to know about. Correct. Um, if this was a form of use of force, I was calling to let them know. Why would you involve sergeants in a call that might involve the use of force? Sergeants are, are usually always notified for use of force. And so did you, in fact, call Sergeant Kruger? I did. Have you ever in your career before called a sergeant? Or something like this? Multiple. For an incident like this? Right. To be exact, no. Okay. Um, where you had this instinct and felt something was wrong and you needed to call a sergeant about it. Have you ever had that incident or that situation before this incident? If something was wrong with the call, yes. If, and, and not, I don't know how to say this, not if I can call a sergeant for anything because they are a resource and if I'm wrong then I'm, I'm wrong um, but I can call them regarding calls if something doesn't look right in a call if there's a caution note if there's something that they can do beyond the scope of the call I can call them and have you had a chance to listen to a recording of that call you actually made yes and that recording is made as part of the business of the call center records that traffic. Everything's recorded. Right. And we played a recording of that for you previously? Yes. And was it an accurate recording of your call? Yes. And we've now marked that as Exhibit 12. And Your Honor, we would offer Exhibit 12. No objection. 12 is received. And at this time, we'll play that call, all right? Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. This is the Derek Chauvin trial. May 25, 
first third precinct. And then you talked about something involving a knife. Is that related to this case at all? No. That was from some other call? Correct. And then you um, you used the term snitch. Yes. What did you mean by that? Um, at that moment, it was a word that just came out of my mouth. But it's out of the scope of my duties to call the sergeant if, if, if there was any use of force. And so that's what the purpose, well, tell me, what was the purpose of making that call to him and giving him that information? Voicing my concerns. Um, like I said, we don't see incidents. My job is mainly all listening. And by the time you made that call, you said something to Sergeant Pleager about, or did they take him already? By the time you made that call, were you still able to see the video from the street camera? Yes, the video was still up. And what did you see at the time that you were making that call? That nobody was there. So you were aware an ambulance had come to the scene? Yes. But the ambulance was not in the video at that time? Correct. So that, is that the reason why you made a reference to them being gone? Yes. So I was speaking to the rest of my team over there and asking a question to them while still on the phone with the sergeant. So probably a better time for me to ask this question, but have you ever prior to that date made a call like that to a sergeant? No. And you're done? Folks, this is John. Further questions. Thank you. Folks, again, it's John DePietro. All right. So, folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. What you were just listening to was the 911 dispatcher. Uh, that was. This is at the Derek Chauvin trial. Now, remember, they're an hour behind. So, when they're talking about the lunch break, it's 12:28 Minneapolis time. And what she was saying. Uh, well, I think you heard it, but just to sum it up, that's the 911 dispatcher. She had never really, that's actually the first time she'd ever done anything like that, where she then called because she thought that something seemed odd uh, with the fact that they were then kneeling on him. So this was, uh, today was the beginning of the trial of uh, Officer Derek Chauvin, and it uh, started out this morning. Let me just play, I think they're playing a... Uh, Am I seeing a synopsis of it a little bit? Oh, okay. Um, so that's, uh, we're good, we'll dip in and out. So they are obviously, um, there's huge attention, as you can imagine, on the trial. I also want to talk about this information that has come out about the coronavirus, where President Trump was not wrong, and we're learning more. And things, <coughs> excuse me, folks, it's, um, it's amazing. Right now, it's 129. Good afternoon. Afternoon, it's John DePietro on AM thirteen eighty and also ninety nine point nine FM. Now you can always listen online at the website depietro.com. She called the sergeant watching the video. Something felt something wasn't right, and she was voicing her concerns. But this portion of the John DePietro show, folks, is brought to you by. Uh, remember, JKL Engineering. Call them today. Call JKL at four zero one. 351-7600. J.K.L. Engineering. They are licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. We are going now. It's spring. 
and pretty soon it'll be summer. You want to be nice and cool in your home this summer. Why not call JKL and find out about Central Air for your home? 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. JKL Engineering. They do it right, and they do it right the first time. What happened last night on 60 Minutes, it was pretty significant. They could have been more aggressive. Uh, they definitely could have been more aggressive regarding the um, situation regarding the, the virus and how it spread out of China. I'm also looking right now, CDC director feels impending doom as COVID cases tick up. Right now, I'm scared. I, I just, but more people are getting, more, more people are getting the vaccine and more of the vaccine is in fact available. So I, I don't really understand what, what all of this is what all of this is about. But I do want to go to play, and I played some of this last hour, but on 60 Minutes, they start to dig into the, the whole situation a little bit. And how that came about with China ruled the lab accident, they're saying now, there is information, and it's what we first thought, that it went, this was from a bat, and went to another animal and went to a human, much like in the movie Contagion. China ruled out a lab accident in Wuhan, Wuhan before the World Health Organization-led team arrived in China to look where and how COVID-19 originated. They found the virus most likely spread from wildlife farms to a Wuhan wet market. So... I want to play, um, this was part of the clip from 60 Minutes last night. Leslie Stoll is being criticized that she could have been more aggressive. The World Health Organization team only spent three hours at the lab. While they were there, they didn't demand access to the records and samples and key personnel. That's because of the ground rules China set with the WHO, which has never had the authority to make demands or enforce international protocols. It was agreed first that China would have veto power over over who even got to be on the mission. Secondly, and WHO agreed to that. WHO agreed to that. On top of that, the WHO agreed that in most instances, China would do the primary investigation and then just share its findings with these international experts. So these international experts weren't allowed to do their own primary investigation. Wait, you're saying that China did the investigation and showed the results to the committee and that was it? Pretty much that was it. Not entirely, but pretty much that was it. Imagine if we had asked the Soviet Union to do a co-investigation of Chernobyl. It doesn't really make sense. China had ruled out a lab accident long before the WHO team arrived at the airport in Wuhan on January 14th and were greeted by people in full PPE gear. The team included some of the world's leading experts on how viruses are transmitted from animals to humans. But even though there have been accidental lab leaks of viruses in China in the past that have infected people and killed at least one, no one on the team was trained in how to formally investigate a lab leak. They were there for a four-week mission, but two of those weeks were spent holed up at this hotel in quarantine. Once 
out, they had some tense exchanges with their counterparts, a team of Chinese experts, over their refusal to provide raw data. You know, I'm going to play the sound. This is the ex-CDC director. Says he believed it originated in a Wuhan lab. Robert Redfield told CNN he believed it escaped. It was spreading as early as September, October. Though he stressed that it wasn't his opinion. Now, he's not giving opinion. And I want to play that because it's very significant. And this is really what people believed last spring when this was breaking and last winter that it came out of a lab and i believe i have the sound I have to guess that Here we fire go. started transmitting somewhere in September, October in Wuhan. September, October. That's my own view. It's the only opinion. I'm allowed to have opinions now. You know, I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was from a laboratory, um, you know, escaped. Uh, other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figured out it's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect the laboratory worker it is also not unusual for that type of research to be occurring in wuhan the city is a widely known center for viral studies in china including the wuhan institute of virology which has experimented extensively with bat coronaviruses it is a remarkable conversation I, I feel like we're having here because you are the former CDC director and you were the director at the time this was all happening. For the first time, the former CDC director is stating publicly that he believes this pandemic started months earlier than we knew and that it originated not at a wet market, but inside a lab in China. These are two significant things to say, Dr. Redfield. That's not implying any intentionality. You know, it's my opinion, right? But I am a virologist. I have spent my life in virology. I do not believe this somehow came from a bat to a human. And at that moment in time, the virus that came to the human became one of the most infectious viruses that we know in humanity for human-to-human transmission. Normally, when a pathogen goes from a zoonotic to human, it takes a while for it to figure out how to become more and more efficient in human-to-human transmission. I just don't think this makes biological sense. So in the lab, do you think that that process of becoming more efficient was happening? Is that what you were suggesting? Yeah, let's just say I have coronavirus that I'm working on. Most of us in the lab, we're trying to grow virus. We try to help make it grow better and better and better and better and better and better so we can do experiments and figure out about it. I, that's, that's the way I put it together. You know, that is, um, and again, folks, good afternoon at one thirty-seven. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's about time someone comes out and says that. It was early on. um, It was certainly believed. And if you've ever seen the movie Contagion, which last year then rocketed, absolutely rocketed uh, as far as the film. And you can get it on on YouTube or uh, different places that you can that you can watch it, but it um, in that film, in the movie Contagion, what, what spreads is it comes from that they are uh, doing some development and they knock down with some bat. 
bats and then a bat flies and it's eat it's hanging over where there are some pigs and then the bat drops the piece a piece of banana that it's eating and then a pig eats it and then the pig ends up from the market into a restaurant at a casino and then Gwyneth Paltrow an American is at the casino and she wants to have a photo with the chef and the chef is preparing the pig comes out and shakes hands with her and she's patient zero she is the first one to then spread it and then it goes all over the world so it's interesting how from the very beginning there were people that were saying that were in the know that were saying that they believe that somehow that there was it was from a bat. And there were people initially saying, Bill Maher was one of them, saying these wet markets, that had something to do with the animals in the wet markets. Um, and that some of the, the testing of the lab, some of the lab testing, some of the workers within selling the animals to the wet markets which many people have called for them over the years to be closed. They, they refuse to close them. So now I'm also seeing Channel 12 is a story. Rhode Island infections growing fastest among 10 to 14-year-olds in recent weeks. I want to remind people that no one's in the hospital from this. There's no, no one in Rhode Island. There's no 10 or 14-year-olds. It is, we have to, they have to be careful with this business of, the virus spreading, how many people are in the hospital. So many people, as you know, are asymptomatic. So there could be a situation in Rhode Island. Um, again, it's the headline, 10 to 14-year-old. It's spreading. The virus is spreading with 10 and 14-year-olds. No one's getting sick. No one's in the hospital. So you have, there's more testing that's going on, as President Trump used to say. The more you test, the more you're going to find. So you have all these 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds, and they're testing positive. They're testing positive, but they show no symptoms. But they want to travel with their family, or, you know, go on an airplane or go somewhere or be part of a sporting event. They have to test, and it turns out, oh, the 10-year-old actually tests positive for the virus. However... They're not showing any symptoms of it, and they're not in danger, and they're not in the hospital. I can't stress enough how important that is. The piece on 60 Minutes, I mean, when you think about it, why on earth were, were we allowing that to go on? Best I want to play this again. This is the former CDC director. September, October. That's my own view. It's an only opinion. I'm allowed to have opinions now. You know, I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was from a laboratory, um, you know, escaped. Uh, the other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. It's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect the laboratory worker. It is also not unusual for that type of research to be occurring in Wuhan. The city is a widely known center for viral studies in China, including the Wuhan Institute of Virology which has experimented extensively with bat coronaviruses.
It is a remarkable conversation I, I feel like we're having here because you are the former CDC director and you were the director at the time this was all happening. For the first time, the former CDC director is stating publicly that he believes this pandemic started months earlier than we knew and that it originated not at a wet market, but inside a lab in China. These are two significant things to say, Dr. Redfield. That's not implying any intentionality. You know, it's my opinion, right? But I am a virologist. I have spent my life in virology. I do not believe this somehow came from a bat to a human. And at that moment in time, the virus that came to the human became one of the most infectious viruses that we know in humanity for human-to-human -human transmission. Normally, when a pathogen goes from a zoonotic to a human, it takes a while for it to figure out how to become more and more efficient in human-to-human -human transmission. I just don't think this makes biological sense. So in the lab, do you think that that process of becoming more efficient was happening? Is that what you were suggesting? Yeah, let's just say I have coronavirus that I'm working on. Most of us in the lab, we're trying to grow virus. We try to help make it grow better and better and better and better and better and better so we can do experiments and figure out about it. I, that's, that's the way I put it together. So folks, I think that is, um, you know, and I, I like the fact that he speaks that candidly and won't fall into, you know, well, other people are saying, you know, well, you know, that's the way I see it. Um, some people are not going to go along with it, but that's what I, that's what I think happened. I'm also seeing right now that, um, Governor McKee is holding, Governor Dan McKee is holding an event tomorrow to speak out against legislation, put a three-year moratorium on, on new charter schools in Rhode Island. This is going to be tomorrow at the Providence Prep Charter School, Harrison Street. Governor McKee, Toby Shepard, uh, Jeannie Segal, Brother Gary. Look at that. Tomorrow at 1.30. Interesting. Uh, moratorium on charter schools. So th this is a major... Maybe we'll go to that. Who knows? Folks, this is a major problem. Now, as we uh, speak this afternoon, the Providence Teachers Union are having a press conference because of the fact that you know, that they right now are in a huge battle right now with the state. Huge battle with the state regarding the state of the, uh, the current situation with the schools in Providence. And they're trying to, um, they're trying to, you know, I don't know exactly how they're going to argue. That somehow, but they are against the superintendent, also the education commissioner. I'm also seeing some other news. Chauvin defense lawyer blames George Floyd's death on bystanders. They caused the officers to divert their attention. The defense attorney, Eric Nelson, blames bystanders for distracting officers. Uh, he implied that bystanders who were pleading for Chauvin to remove his knee were in least part to blame for the deaths. As the crowd grew in size, so did their anger. Remember, there's more to the scene. There's people behind them. Cars are stopping. People are yelling. They're screaming at them. And also, I see that the defense, the store clerk described uh, George Floyd as drunk. Now, they're trying to argue that, you know, this should not be about George Floyd. But um, I'm seeing some, there's no way to get around the fact that George Floyd would be alive today if he hadn't taken lethal doses of fentanyl 
and then resisted arrest after committing a felony. Um, and you can only imagine, Matt Walsh tweeted that out, how much people want to go against that. But President Biden will announce shortly 90% of adults will be eligible to get the vaccine within the next three weeks. Now, it is moving quicker as far as people getting appointments now, getting appointments in Rhode Island. Um, still not out of the woods just yet. Still going to take a while, but definitely um, it, it is somewhat getting easier, at least for people to get appointments. Now, I, I'd like to play some of the opening argument regarding the situation um, or the trial, I should say, with George Floyd. But I, I want to be cognizant of um, some of the some of the language. The defense dropped an F-bomb earlier. So we want to be a little cautious with uh, that. And also, I noticed now they're saying the murder trial of Derek Chauvin gets underway. Well, most of the time, it would the murder trial of Derek Chauvin, I think it's confusing because people were calling it the George Floyd trial. And then ad, uh, activists were saying, well, don't call it that because George Floyd's not on trial. So don't call it that. But um, <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to be worked out. Normally, it's well, it was the O.J. Simpson trial. So it is, the, I guess it could be the person charged of murder. So the Merrick Derek Chauvin. But member, a lot of members of the media were calling it the the George Floyd trial. So they, for different reasons, don't don't want that. But he, he is going to be on trial. Um, I, I just, folks, again, right now, good afternoon. It's 148. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. This portion of our program is brought to you by Rhode Island's number one garden center is open. PR, Landscape Materials and Garden Center, they are open for the season. Stop in and see them. They have all your Easter plants. It's Steve and Debbie and Junior and Byron. Look for them on Facebook, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They have the pansy flats, and the pansy bags and the hangers and bowls, all assorted colors, Easter tulips. Listen, it's sunny out. The weather's going to be nice this week. Why not take a ride to Rhode Island's number one garden center, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, right off of Route 4. Uh, they have a tremendous selection. They are open now, open for the season. You owe it to yourself. Take a ride to Rhode Island's number one garden center, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, located right off Route 4, and then look for them on Facebook. Now, folks, as always, I encourage you to visit the website, depetro.com, D-E-P-T-R-O.com. And remember, depetro.com, which is brought to you by Allstate Lock, allstatelock.com, or call them at 401-349-0042, 401-349-0042, Allstate Lock, experts in locking systems and building security, security cameras, online at allstatelock.com, or call them at 401-349-0042 for Allstate Lock. Now, right now, it's 149. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com Folks, the big news of the day is the Suez Canal. 
that huge ship that was stuck has been moved. And so the Suez Canal is open. I'm also seeing some other headlines. Two grand juries right now are investigating President Trump in Georgia. Dominion may sue President Trump next. By the way, Laura Trump has now been hired by Fox News. So the Chauvin trial is underway. No scene bleeding and torture death video. And it's that seeing that video again, every time they show it, it's it is brutal. It's just brutal to watch. Judge faces huge challenges. Jurors face burden. I'm also saying this is interesting. Roller skating is making a comeback. Huh. Des Moines could become a regional roller skating mecca. Roller skating has experienced a resurgence thanks to the pandemic and the 90s renaissance. And Des Moines is in a unique position to take it, take it to the next level. But they have a, uh, a certain skate park. One-of-a-kind attractions draw needed tourists and money. A career skater, Des Moines, said the park will be huge for people like her. Travel two hours to practice at skate parks. Um, so I didn't realize that Des Moines, Iowa. Extensive bike trails, smooth parking lots. And now, how about that? Roller skating is making a comeback. Yesterday was Palm Sunday. This Friday, folks, we are in Holy Week. This Friday is Good Friday, Holy Thursday, and then Easter. Church membership dips below 50% for the first time. I think a big part of that is people were just unable to go to church. Um, That's what I think it is. And also, we're still waiting to get more details on what happened over the weekend, where 17 people were arrested at that after-hours biker club on Charles Street in Providence. 17 arrested, a huge melee ensued, and um, every car in the city was called over there. I played it just a little bit earlier, but let's see. Union President Dan McGowan uh, says she wants to end the takeover, enlist new leadership at the state and the Providence Public School Department, and move forward with a new district. So they don't like being under the state control. Providence Teachers Union is asking state lawmakers to end the state takeover. That's interesting. Nothing has been improved. Nothing has been improved, but they want it over. I think that's an interesting development. So so that's news. They are having a press briefing. Mary Beth Calabro, the union president, we want the state out of here. Move forward with a new district. Well, you you were the district. It wasn't working. And now, is that, so there's something there. They don't want the state involved. They want to kick it back to, to have a Lorzer in charge of it. But I, I, see, now I'm anxious to see. I I would imagine Governor McKee doesn't want to have to, (laughs) I don't think that's the worst idea he's ever heard. He'd like to kick it off his desk, that's for sure. But I want to play for you. Uh, Channel 10 did a story on the melee in Providence that happened. 17 arrested, 17 bikers. I was saying they should have said they were protesters. They probably would have let them go. And 
the situation at the border is not getting any better. This is, um, let's say, this is the Channel 10. Uh, Tyler Dumont, Ashley Cullinane is off. First at 11, Providence police say nearly every cop in the city was sent to an after-hours biker party early this morning. 17 this people were arrested Sunday after officers described as a complete melee with people who were at the party. It happened at 403 Charles Street in the north end of the city. Police say what began as an officer writing a few parking tickets and towing an unregistered car there turned into an all-out brawl. Providence police say the early morning biker bash was held at this building, known as a common unlicensed party spot used by a motorcycle club. Officers described being suddenly overwhelmed by partygoers after they tried to detain a man who went inside a car they were towing. Just kind of... You know, kind of trying to get something from the car. He's told to back off the car. We're unsure what's in the car. NBC 10 obtained this video of what happens next. <laughs> crowd came out of the after hours party, circled the police officers, and then it just escalates rather quickly into what's described as like a full-blown melee. So when you say melee, what do you, what do you mean? What were these people doing? I think just like flat out fighting with the police, actively and violently resisting, not complying with orders. But it quickly turned into a situation where pretty much every single car in the city. This is Major Michael Correa. All available cars are responding to 403 South Street. I saw a lot of cops. Um, there was um, this whole street was full. As more backup arrived, police say they ultimately arrested 17 people. Everyone get locked up. Police say some officers used pepper spray and fists while taking some of the partygoers into custody, but nobody was seriously hurt. A lot of restraint was used by the police officers uh, early this morning. A 9mm gun was later found by an officer in the courtyard in the area of the melee, according to police. It's still under investigation as to who it may belong to. Yeah, good luck with that. The 17 people arrested range... All right, yeah, rage and uh, each, I think, 26 to 50. So, again, big uh, big arrests with, uh, that was Sunday morning, you know, basically 3 a.m. Saturday night, but into Sunday morning. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this Monday. It is March 29th. It is Holy Week. Uh, a lot more people seem to be getting appointments for the vaccine. So it takes a while. They, they unleashed a bunch. I still encourage you, if you're listening right now and you're having trouble trying to either for uh, yourself or someone older in trying to make an appointment, I highly encourage you to try the Walgreens site and also CBS and just keep trying that. And at some point between the state seems to be soaking up a lot of the appointments, but more people that I talk to seem to be having success booking appointments with um, through CVS and Walgreens, especially with Walgreens, where it seems to be easier to get an appointment. So, uh, and as I said, if you're someone that's been struggling, and it's very frustrating, and I also find folks that, do you notice that once people get their vaccine, to me it reminds me of when we would lose power and once you, if you don't lose power, then you're not affected in any way. Those that are, are, if you lose power, you can't focus on anything other than the fact that you don't have power, meaning electricity. Uh, but once you get it back, it, it just becomes the haves and the have-nots. So I know it's frustrating, 
but I, I strongly urge you to try either the Stop and Shop Walgreens or CVS because the state site is not easy to maneuver. And those appointments, um, they go pretty quickly. Uh, this portion of the John DePietro show, folks, it's brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Now, remember, if you're ever in an accident, call West Fountain today, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body. The original, the best since 1927, you can depend on West Fountain Auto Body. If you, whether it's a small dent uh, or a minor fender bender or nearly totaled vehicle, Call West Fountain Auto Body today, 272-3340, 401-272-3340 for West Fountain Auto Body. Now, the next COVID briefing is set for this Thursday. I encourage you to go to my website, depetro.com, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, if there's some way I can help you in some way, if you want to support the show, if you want to advertise on the show, why not? Uh, go to the website, depetro.com. So the big news of the day is the ship and the Suez is now freed. More appointments are being made available during this Holy Week, and there seems to be more evidence that the coronavirus escaped from a lab in Wuhan, China, with uh, somehow from a bat to an animal, and then from that animal to people. That's what seemed to have happened. And then today is day one of the Derek Chauvin trial into murder of George Floyd. It's John DePietro. Listen, enjoy this sunny Monday. We're back tomorrow at 11. Stay tuned. You're going to hear the two o'clock news and then the John Dion program. We're back tomorrow at 11. Folks, it's John DePietro. Enjoy WNRI Winsocket.